Good to see you today. I, uh, we're in the book of Joshua, and it's a book about uh, the battles of life. It's about taking territory for the kingdom of God. And I've got good news that the Bible has already told us that all the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our God and of our Christ. Amen. You know, you never want to forget where we're going in the middle of trying to figure out how to get there. The, the Bible really is set up. Uh, there's a pattern in the Bible. Once you see this pattern, understand it, and live it, it makes life a lot easier. It, it really begins with we live in the present. You don't live in yesterday. You don't live in tomorrow, but you live in the present. You have to be present in the present. And then you have to be informed and challenged by the past. The Bible says that these things that are recorded for us in the Old Testament were for our benefit so that we would not make the same mistakes. So you look back and you say, I don't want to do that again, but I live in the present, but then I'm motivated and energized by God's future. So I look in the Bible and I say, look at all the wonderful things that God has promised in the Word of God, and in all of those things then I find hope and I find joy. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is our hope. And hope is not wishy-washy, you know, like I hope I win some lottery. It is confident. Now listen, this is the biblical definition of hope. It is confident assurance in what God has promised God will provide. It's not like, gosh, I hope God comes through. No, God will come through. Now it may not always be in the way that you plan, or in the timing that you have in your own life, but I promise you, God knows when to provide and how to provide, and sometimes if we get something too early, it spoils everything that goes on in our life. Imagine if you, you love your children and you say, you know, I'm gonna get you a car, and you give them the keys, and they're 11. <laughs> you might have a problem. Well, the same way with our God is God looks at you and he says, sometimes your maturity level can't handle that right now. You know, everybody seems to think that God wants them wealthy. Emerson said this, for every 99 people that can handle uh, adversity, only one can handle success and prosperity. You see, sometimes we don't have what we think we have to do what we want to do, and God knows that. And so God will throttle you back in your life to teach you some of the better lessons of life so that when you come to that point of acceleration, God knows how to put all the pieces together in your life. And you don't fail. You don't, you don't you know, collapse on the, from the inside out. So I'm uh, talking a little bit today about battle, about faith, and about rest and I thought it'd be appropriate if I brought uh, with me here this backpack, and I'm gonna, I'm actually selling these. And what I mean by that is, uh, we've got a slide up here. These are actual battle grade medical backpacks for Ukraine, and we've got about six of them, I think, and we really need probably another ten or fifteen of them. Uh, our team leaves on the 28th for the Ukraine, and. We're praying for their safety. They're going to go as far as Kiev uh, this time into Ukraine. We were just there uh, about, I don't know, six or eight weeks ago. I've kind of lost track of time. But if you would like to purchase uh, 
a, back, a medical back, uh, battle grade level backpack. You can go so on the app and just do Ukraine Relief Fund. You can also do it uh, on the way out. But I, th- I think it's good just to remind you what we're doing here. You know, there's going to come a time when Ukraine is going to open up for evangelism. And I believe that time is going to come soon. Just like Russia opened up after the Soviet Union fell, it opened up to the gospel. It was only open about two years. So whenever you see windows of opportunity, you seize those opportunities for the kingdom. So I've already kind of been putting this word out. I really believe that God uh, may very well lead us and others to do crusades in Ukraine in the days ahead. So we want to be prepared. We want to be praying into that. You pray the ground that you want to cover in advance so that God makes a way through the wilderness that you're going to travel. And sometimes we forget that, you know, your prayers are something, it's faith you throw out into the future, and then you walk into your future. See, so many people, what they do is they get into a mess they haven't prayed about, and then they start praying. And they think everything is instant. We really do operate like that. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Well, you should have been doing this six months ago. So right now, just begin to lay a foundation for your tomorrows. What do you want to see God do? How do you want the ground prepared? How do you want to see God act and move in your life? What do you need in the days ahead? And then you'll find yourself literally walking into what you've already sown in life. And what you've sown in life will then produce a harvest in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into the book of Joshua together. We're going to uh, take you back to chapter one just for a moment so that we can set the tone. Um, and when you do that, you say, well, where have we, get, how did we get here? You know, sometimes you have to do that in your salvation. You know, when you find yourself doubting or prayers aren't answered, you go, wait a minute, how did I get into this? You go back to the very foundational pieces of your life of of prayer and faith and confession of Christ as Lord, and you say, God, you promised me there, therefore, I can trust you today with what's going on in my life. So let's go to the battle. Life is a battle. Have you noticed? If If you haven't experienced any battles in your life, you might want to check your pulse because you may not be with us any longer, amen? The battle is a part of life. It is because we're living in a world that is fallen. What do we mean by that? We mean that the God of this world, Satan, has brought destruction, murder, deception, and lies upon society. And so when you are born again, you're a twice-born person living in a once-born world, you're going to have battles. And the battle is that you know from your, from your innermost being that your place of residency is with God in heaven. But you're on assignment as an ambassador of God on planet earth. And so you're always pushing against the grain. You're always counterculturing what's happening in society. And when you do that, you can expect battles will occur. Joshua takes over the reign of leading the people of Israel And it's recorded for us in Joshua chapter one. And let's look at just a few verses in those early, that early chapter. God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. You see how important that word is for Joshua when he's in a battle? 
I've already given it to you. That doesn't mean you don't have to participate in the battle. It means that it's already yours, so you can fight with confidence. You see, if you fight with confidence in that you know you're going to win eventually, you can stay with the fight. It goes on to say, no man shall stand, be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So now he says, even though you're contending in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm, they're not going to stand against you. You're going to stand. Now you can personalize scriptures like this and by prayer and make it your own prayers. You can just change this and say, God, you promised me that every place where the sole of my foot goes that you've given to me. You're gonna give me authority in that space. And I'm gonna take that as a promise. God, I'm gonna take it as a promise that no one will be able to stand against me all the days of my life. Just as you were with Moses, you were with Joshua, so you will be with me. He goes on to say, I will not leave you or forsake you. You ever feel all alone? You're not. God is always with you. People say, well, what wouldn't it be cool to live and walk on planet Earth when Jesus was here? No, it's better now. Because the only time you could see him or hear him was when you were close to him, but now he's close to you all the time. He's always in you and with you and surrounding you with his love and with his grace. He said, well, I'll not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and be of good courage. So what's my job? Be strong and of good courage. Say that with me. Be strong and of good courage. For this, to this people you shall divide as an inheritance of the land, which I swore, which I would give to their fathers. So God is giving him an assignment. He says, you're gonna go in, you're gonna do battle, then you're gonna divide up the land, and as you divide up the land, you're going to mitigate against the attacks of the enemy because each tribe is going to be able to fight in their own way, in their own territory, know their space. And that's what you have to do. You have to know your territory. You have to know the battles you're going to face in life. And you become an expert in, in your surroundings so that you are ready to do battle on any front at any given time. Always remembering this, that God is faithful. If you don't believe that, you're in trouble. Is God gonna be faithful to me? You know that people don't believe that when they say, I don't know where God is in all of this. I always say, well, is God faithful? Well, of course. Then he's right here with you. Do you realize that every time Joseph went through some difficulty, whether he was put into the pit, sold into slavery, put into jail, whatever out, every time it was a difficulty and it said the favor of God was with him? Do you call that favor? That ain't the favor I want. How about you? I want the kind of favor that says you're not going to the pit, you're not going to get sold into slavery, you're not going to jail. But that's not always the favor of God. Sometimes God's favor pulls you through the knothole backwards. Now, if you're not living in the South, you don't know what that term means. But you can only imagine what it means, right? It's difficult. It's tough. You see, God is your prosperity. God says to Joshua, I'm going to prosper you wherever you go. Do you know that prosperity is a promise of God? You say, then how come I'm poor? Are you? Are you really poor? You know, it's amazing that if you make $40,000 a year, you're wealthier than 99.7 of the people in planet Earth. How about recalibrating that mindset of what is prosperity? 
How about looking at prosperity as everything from your bank account to your physical health, to your friends, to the God's favor on your life, to the, to the way that you can live out your life on a daily basis? How about redefining everything like that? And then how about in all of that asking God to give you increase? Because he said to Joshua, I'm going to prosper you all along the way. You know what happened when, when Israel left out of Egypt? God, one of the promises after the 10 plagues and before they crossed the Red Sea was, I want you to go door to door to all the Egyptians, knock on the door, and tell them to give you silver and gold and precious stone. It says they plundered the houses of the Egyptians. You know why? Because God had a purpose for that prosperity. See, God wants you to prosper, but with a purpose. It's not just so you get richer and you get more stuff. It's so that you can take what God gives you and you can be a, a vehicle and an avenue for the glory of God to, to bless and benefit other people in society, to advance the kingdom of God at all, all, all hands. So it says here in Joshua 1.7, be strong and be very courageous that you may observe to do all uh, the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So what am I gonna do? God says, I want you to know and do the word of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Isn't it interesting how God in Old and New Testament always brings it back to the word of God? That's because the word of God is eternal and fixed in the heavens. That's because the word of God, it, even though the, the grass may wither and the flower may fade, the word of God abides forever. So every time you spend a little bit of time in the word of God, you're investing in your future. You're laying up in your heart your future. You know, I know a lot of scriptures that I've never memorized. I mean, I, I, I memorize them, but I don't, I didn't sit down to memorize them, and I don't know the reference. So sometimes I'll quote a scripture, people say, where's that at? I said, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's in Proverbs. It might be chapter 22. But I, I read it. It became a part of me by repetition. That's how you re remember things, isn't it? You just read it over and over and over again, and sooner or later it becomes a part of your life. And then when a situation demands that you need a scripture and a promise, what do you do? The Spirit of God ignites that in your memory, and that scripture comes out, and you'll even hear people say, well, I don't even know, I didn't know I knew that scripture, right? Because the Holy Spirit drew from the well within you, and that well was so deep, and you didn't know how deep it was because you didn't realize just reading the Word of God had, was going to bring power and authority in your daily life. And that's why just read it, read it. Just say, I don't even know what I'm reading. Keep reading. People say, I don't understand it. Read it anyway. You know, there's the, the book of Revelation has this great promise. It says, the, the promise is blessed are those who read it and those who hear the words of the prophecy. It doesn't say blessed are those who understand it. You don't even have to understand Revelation to be blessed by it. Just read it. Read it to be rich and to be full and to be powerful and to, be a and to have authority in your daily life. The words of the Lord, they are life, amen? They're life unto us. They're breath unto us. We read and all of a sudden we understand that God is our glory and the lifter of our head. He is a strong tower. He is our rear guard. All of these are scriptures that just come out of the word of God reminding you that God is with you. He has not forsaken you. And it goes on to say this, uh, to do all that the, my servant commanded you to do. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may prosper 
if you're lucky. Is that what it says? Okay, let's look what it says. You read it with me. That you may prosper wherever you go. What's the promise tied to? The word of God. It's not tied to the fact that you're smart, you're creative, you go to church, you got baptized, you took communion. It's not tied to any of those things. It's tied to keeping the word of God. When you keep the word of God, God says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna prosper you wherever you go. Unless you go to Texas, Nashville, Florida. Oh, I'm just kidding. See, see, this is a promise. You say, where are the promises of God? Well, here's one right here. This is a promise of God. You take this promise and you say, God, I'm going to do the word of God. I'm not going to turn to the right and the left. And if I do, I'm gonna get back on path. You see, because God knows that you're not perfect. You may not know that, but God knows you're not perfect. So when you do, you, you go down this road and you say, God, I'm gonna do everything I can to walk in your way. And if I get off a little bit, I'm getting back on the right path, amen? The Bible says that the, the, the wicked fall seven times and do not get back up, but the, the righteous fall seven times and get back up. What's the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous? The unrighteous say, I don't really care about my life. I don't care that I missed out on God. I don't care that I violated the word of God. The righteous says, I'm gonna get back on the path. I'm just gonna keep getting back on the path, amen? But he also reminds us that courage is essential. If you're going to win the battles of life, you have to have courage. I don't think courage is something you're born with. I think it's something that's just, it's a response that comes out of your character and the way that you view life. If you think life is valuable and you're on a battlefield and you see someone's life being threatened, courage rises up and does whatever it can to rescue the situation. That's what courage does. And remember that the word of God is necessary in everything you do. You know, I'm always amazed how many times when I'm reading the word of God, I'll sit down and say, I'm gonna read the word of God for a few minutes. And a few minutes turns into a few more minutes. Have you ever noticed that? Because it becomes life to you. It, it, it's amazing that you can just burn off 30 minutes listening to a, to a radio program that is totally worthless, watch a TV show you don't like, but you can't find your way into the Word of God. Do you think the enemy is behind that hindrance? You have to tell him no, and you have to press in to the Word of God. Faith. Faith is kind of one of those things that goes with the territory. You say, well, I, I, I come by faith. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So faith becomes essential. In Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 and 45, it says, the Lord gave Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. Now remember, we're in chapter 21. It was chapter one where the promise came. And now we see the fulfillment of it. Look what it says. The Lord gave Israel how much of the land? All the land of which the Lord had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession and dwelt in it. So you see, here's the promise, here's the fulfillment. So when you read the word of God, say, what did he promise? Where did he fulfill that promise in the word of God? Because that's gonna strengthen your faith. And winning battles in life requires faith. You know, if you're not exercising faith, 
You're moving back in your Christian life. And faith, you say, well, what kind of faith? you? T-? I'm talking about the kind of faith that scares you. Do you ever have that kind of faith? I'm trusting God for this one. It's not the kind of faith that you've already got food in front of you. You say, God, I thank you for this food. It's already there. You don't have to believe God for that food. How about sitting at a table when there's no food, saying, God, I believe there's gonna be food here before five o'clock. That's faith. What I'm talking about is faith is moving into the realm of the invisible that God is going to come through and he's gonna work in a way that you never would have imagined because he's the God that responds to faith. Faith is the currency of the realm. When you go into a foreign country, you change your currency so that you can buy things. I want you to know that prayer through faith is a currency of the kingdom, of the realm, and you have to exchange your doubt for faith if you're going to buy anything in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Evidence is faith not the reality of what you get. Do you see how this works? Faith is the substance, that's the reality of the things that you hope for. This is that confident assurance, what God has promised God will provide, and it's the very evidence. If you have faith, that's evidence that you already have it. You see, you already have what you're asking for, but until you really believe the manifestation of it, you're not going to see it. Sometimes faith just becomes wishy-washy. You know, I really, I really just trust in God and God's gonna come through. And I always ask questions, is he? Is God doing what you're believing him for? That's faith. Faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. Faith is walking on the borderline of disaster. If God doesn't come through, then his word is a lie and you're a fool for following him. That's faith. That's gut-wrenching faith. That's the kind of faith that changes you, Amen that moves you into a different realm, where you begin to see the invisible, and when you see it in your spirit, man, then you can manifest it on earth, because you're believing God for the impossible. You know, it says that Abraham, he wandered all across that land, believing and looking for God, that God was gonna manifest. He said he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He was never fully content with earth because there was something so much more. Don't ever get fully content with earth when you know there's so much more. And know that faith is always rewarded, is always rewarded. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I can do everything else except have faith, but I'm not gonna please God. You can endure 421 of Pastor Phil's sermons, and that doesn't please God without faith. You can get baptized, you can be a good person, you can donate here and there, you can do all those things. That's not what God's looking for. God's looking for faith because it's the foundational piece of your entire Christian life. And without it, everything else becomes worthless. Everything else becomes meaningless. In Isaiah chapter one, it says that, that you know, God says to them, what, what, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? In other words, you're just coming into the temple and you don't have any heart behind it. He says, bring me no more of your festivals or your new moons or your Sabbath days. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. 
Come, let us reason together. In other words, stop going down this path and get on this other path where when you exercise faith, you're gonna begin to see your doors open up in amazing, amazing ways. Look what it says. For without faith it is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is, that God is what? God is what he says he is. God is who he says he is, okay? And look what it says. He is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. You mean God rewards people? Yeah. Well, I don't believe that. You just got your reward. Your reward is nothing. Because he says you have to most believe that he is. If I have to believe that God is rewarder God, then I have to believe that he's gonna reward me somehow. That's kind of hard for people. Say, I just, I don't know about that kind of Christianity. Well, you probably got the same kind of Christianity that says, yeah, and I don't think we should talk about religion and politics. There's only one author of that comment, and that's Satan. The two most essential things in your life are religion and politics. You know why? Because if you don't have good politics, then you can't have free exercise of religion. Read Romans 13. It says that leaders exist. Government exists for the good of the people that religion might thrive. If you've got oppressive governments, like, you know, there's, they, they estimate over a billion people have died because of communism. That's the worldwide death toll for communism. A billion people, and yet we've got uninformed people saying we think communism is a good thing. It's a bad ideology. So if you, don't, if you don't have an understanding of good government and the way it works on planet Earth, then you're going to find yourself in an oppressive situation where your faith is gonna exercise itself very well behind bars. And whenever you read the word of God, you know that you have to push against the things that are difficult in order to win the battles of life. And right now, we're in a battle. We're in a battle for our children like never before. There is an attack on our children that that is no one could have imagined five years ago, three years ago, two years ago. What are we going to do? We're gonna stand. We're gonna stand in the gap. We're gonna pray. We're gonna fight. We're gonna do everything we can to change the course of society in which we live. Will we be effective? Yes, To what degree? Not sure. Maybe it's the degree that we push. You ever heard the old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil? Right? You you have multiple children in your household, the one that's squeaking the most. You're going to figure out some way to satisfy that kid because you're just tired of them. (laughs) Right? You got to take them over to grandma's house. You got to do something with them. You got to get them out of here. And we laugh about it because we know it's true. Amen? But you know, God works the same way. You see, God tells two parables that are really good. One's in chapter 11 of Luke. One's in chapter 18 of the book of Luke. Chapter uh, 11, it's a guy that, it, that needs bread. He's got an unexpected guest that came. He has no way to feed him. And uh, he comes and he knocks on the door. The guy opens up. The, it's late. He comes. He goes, shh, my kids are sleeping. I need bread. Go away. Just be quiet. I'll be right down. And then it says he will give him as much bread as he wants. 
But then there's a little comment there. It says, not because he's his friend. In other words, he doesn't care about friendship at midnight. Okay? It says it is because of his persistence. And then the next verse says, when you knock and seek and ask, it will be open. In other words, there's an intensity in your prayer where you go, I'm not giving up, God. I am not leaving. Chapter 18, there's an unrighteous judge. Unrighteous judge is there. Widow comes. She's trying to get justice for her son. What does she do? Finally, you know what he says? He says, I'm going to do this for her, not because I care, but because this woman will not leave me alone. (laughs) Both of those are principles and parables and stories about faith. Why do you quit? Why do you stop praying? Why do you stop believing God? He says, don't. This is part of the battle. Part of the battle is you got to stay with that fight. You got to stay in the game as long as you can. And then the next thing you need to know is about rest. Rest is a good thing. Amen? Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 21, verses 45 and 44 and 45. The Lord gave them rest. Rest isn't something you get, it's something God gives you. Rest is not taking a day off. Have you ever taken a day off and you're still tired? You ever gone on vacation, you're tired when you get back? You know, I go, I go on a vacation, I go, I get back, I got more to do. You know, it wasn't long enough. I'm, I'm convinced that no vacation less than about 13 days is any good. Because I've taken those and they haven't, I'm still tired. You know, and I'm on my phone, I'm on my computer, I'm trying to figure out life, trying to make all these things work. Well, I want to show you there's a spiritual principle behind this. I'm going to show you how you can get rest. How many of you want rest? Real rest. Okay, some of you don't. Some of you just, you just, no, I want to, I want to burn out. <laughs> Better to burn out than rust out. You know, I multitask. I only get four hours of sleep a night. Right? And you beat your chest, you think you're something. Okay, I'm gonna show you a spiritual principle here. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to receive? Yes. Ah, some of you. Are you ready to receive? Yes. Amen. All right. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not as a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand, and not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. The Lord gave them rest. You see, rest is something you enter into. Now watch this, Hebrews chapter four. A promise remains for entering into his rest. Let us fear lest any one of you have come short of it, for we who have believed do enter into his rest. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So rest is entering into a relationship with God, but we can stop it with a hard heart by saying, I don't believe that or I'm not going to participate in that. Joshua, uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse eight. For if Joshua had given them rest, do you realize that all through the wilderness they stopped on the seventh day and they rested and none of them got rest? Do you realize that then he, they hand the, thro- the, the reins over to, Mo, to Joshua and, they, and Joshua kept Sabbath every seventh day, and they never got rest. Because 
Sabbath rest is not a day that you keep. It's a relationship you enter into by faith. Look what it says. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There therefore remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into it enters into his rest. Pastor, you think it's a good pattern to keep one and seven and rest? Sure. But you're not going to enter into the rest of God with that. You're just going to get your body a little bit rested. You can do that your entire life, just like the entire Jewish nation, and never enter into the rest of God. You can keep Sabbath, you can deprive yourself of everything you want, and never enter into the rest. You see, true rest is found in relationship and relationship alone. So what I have to do is every moment of my life, I have to say, God, I choose to enter into your rest. Bring that Sabbath day rest, so to speak, into my life every single moment of my life because you see, rest is the freedom of bondage. It's the freedom of sin. It's the freedom of those things that are spoken against you and only in relationship with God to the fullest degree can you ever experience that kind of a rest. Oh, you're gonna go through the battles of life. You're gonna go through all the faith that you have, but ultimately it all has to lead you back to, I am content with him. He is my portion. He is my desire. He is my joy. He is the filler of my cup. He is my shield. He is my glory. He is my rear guard. He is the prince of peace. He is the pearl of great price. He is everything to me. He has to become your everything. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me right now. We're going to pray. I'm gonna ask you to pray for that rest that passes all understanding to fill your heart right now. The first step may be that you don't know Christ. You say, I need to, I need to know that I know Christ. I need to be in relationship with God. So I want you just to pray right now. Dear Lord Jesus, if I don't know you, would you show me that? Dear Lord Jesus, would you speak to me right now and would you provide me the way of salvation? You can pray a prayer like this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, right where you stand, just pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me right now, Lord Jesus, according to the promises of the word of God. Save me, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Was that your prayer today? Raise your hand if that was your prayer. Just say, raise it up and say, I confess to God that was my prayer today. God bless all of you, every one of you. God bless you. Now it's time to enter into the very rest of God, amen? To enter into the rest of God. Let him be your all in all. Let him be everything to you. Love him with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, all your energy poured into the Lord Jesus Christ for his rest. May God be the glory.